What would you do if everyone said they heard your trailer a hundred times? You'd probably make a new one. I'm Justin Sales, the host of The Wedding Scammer, The Ringer's first ever true crime pod. We've been hunting a con man for a few weeks now, and our hunt is coming to an end. Schemes, heartbreak, how to put on a wire. We've covered all this and more, but there are still a few surprises left. Binge The Wedding Scammer wherever you get your podcasts. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Or at least I don't do crystal meth in the bathroom all night long. That's my he will never emotionally fulfill you. Because I don't want to be a part of it. Go to sleep! Go to sleep! Close your legs to married men, trash box. I'll tell you how I'm doing. Not well, bitch. Hold on, check me, boo. Welcome to Morally Corrupt, a show here on the Ringer Reality Feed. She's Jody Walker. I'm Rachel Lindsay. And let's get into it, Jody. We got a jam-packed show today. Not really a lot of news of the week. I think we'll kind of sprinkle it little things that we've heard throughout these recaps. Um, But I do want to give you guys a bit of a reminder that we've officially split Morally Corrupt. And I just want to say that that's always good news because what that means is that we have an overflow of Bravo shows to cover, which means we're in a beautiful time. We're in our prime. So we like to say. So we have two podcasts. You know how we do it. Um, so we have the podcast that obviously comes out today that you are listening to now. And then we have the other podcast that comes out on Tuesdays. So on Tuesdays, Chelsea and Zach will break down Southern Charm in Miami. Because if you're listening to this, we don't want you to think that we're neglecting those shows. <laughs> we could never. I mean, you know, we watch everything here. Um, I was about to say, except Below Deck, but Jody Walker has yeah, that cover. How dare you, Rachel? How dare you? <laughs> All by herself, she's got that one covered. I feel like one day I'll turn a corner. Do they let me talk about it? No, they do not. But I do watch it. So if anybody ever wants to talk to me about it, feel free. (laughs) Exactly. Which we like to let you know that no stone is left unturned here at Morally Corrupt. But today we're going to be covering Salt Lake City. We're going to cover Beverly Hills. Um, I'm going to do that with Jody, And then uh, Callie is going to join us for Potomac. So let's get into these recaps. Let's start with Salt Lake City, which... I okay. I said we were gonna sprinkle news of the week, and um, I'm so excited for Salt Lake City, and I know you are too. But specifically because we have this piece of information that has been coming out about Monica. We've got that clip from the trailer that we've seen. I guess it's the mid-season trailer. We saw it before, and we were like, what is Heather talking about? Who is Heather on the phone with? I I mean, honestly, I don't know how you felt, but before we knew anything, I thought she was talking about Jen Shaw. We now know she's not. I was like, oh, what did Jen do? What did Jen say? Did she find out? Like, that's what you normally or, you know, logically would assume. We now are hearing that it has to do with Monica, but we're getting, like, these pieces, you know, sprinkled in, and I'm so excited for Salt Lake City and what's to come. And that's not even what this episode is about, but that has kind of been dropping through the week. Um, our, our, Our ladies at 
I assume it's women. I actually don't know. I should say our people at Queens of Bravo have been covering <laughs> covering it like crazy. We're big fans of them. Um, okay, so let's get into the details of... Sorry, I had to take a little detour because I was thinking about that. I'm like, oh, that stuff was kind of coming out. I can't remember if we covered it last week or not. So much happens in one week in Bravo Land. Um, okay, so we start out this episode with Whitney kind of confronting, kind of, because she doesn't go hard. But talking to Lisa about her wild behavior at her Prism jewelry event. Um, And in true Lisa fashion, she deflects. I mean, it's like she has a fly swatter in her hand and every word that Whitney is saying, she's just batting away, away. Like, don't you dare put that on me. This has nothing to do with me. She's got an excuse for every. It's exhausting to the point where I'm sure Whitney was probably like, was I wrong? Which is kind of what everyone is saying to her, right? Is like, it's the main problem here is just that it's really hard to talk to you. Like, that's kind of what Angie is saying later, too. It's like, I know that it's going to be impossible to talk to you, so I just don't want to do it. It's really incredible how Lisa will enter a conversation like that with Whitney, knowing full well that she ruined her sound bath and act like absolutely shocked that Whitney is like upset and wants an apology. Yeah, and no, she absolutely. will. I do feel, I mean, she did say she was sorry, but it was so like she just she talks so fast. She literally talks so fast that you can't you can't tell what she's saying. Like you can't touch down on anything. This is true. This is true. I, I just I'm like over it. I'm like, the jig is up. Stop that. Stop it immediately. I need somebody to just go in. Where's Mary Cosby when you need her? I need somebody to go in. And tell Lisa to enough, stop. Because she's so that person is not Whitney. That person is not Whitney. Whitney. (laughs) It's not Whitney, and she's so defensive that it's offensive. Like that's how I'm like I'm offended by what the things that you're saying. It's too much. It's too much. I do have to pick a a bone to pick with Whitney because as Whitney is preparing for Lisa to enter her home, she's preparing a charcuterie board. Mm Hmm. I was deeply offended and bothered that she took the grapes out the package and did not wash them before she put them on the charcuterie board. And this is okay, this is a big thing in the black community and I'm and I'm curious if it is for you Jody. Um we there's a thing about like not wanting to eat other people's food <laughs> in the black community. <laughs> like, his, food, his food, Rachel. <laughs> just other people's. No, okay. no, no. It's like not in no no particular race, ethnicity. It is other people's food. It's like because for concerns, just as I pointed out with Whitney, I don't know how you prepare your meat. I don't know if you wash certain things. I don't know if things fell on the floor. I don't know how you cook them. It's really deeply rooted in the community where we're like, I don't know if I trust other people's cooking. And in this case, I don't trust the preparation of how Whitney put that charcuterie board. Those grapes were ashy. There was nothing oh, wet I was going to say, you would be able to tell that those grapes were unwashed. You wouldn't even have to ask the question because they were powder white. <laughs> they just went. No, she could have washed them as soon as she got them. I I never want to give Whitney any credit. But and put them in the bag? I don't believe in that either. Were they in a bag? They were in the plastic. She took them out the plastic bag. Okay. I was, okay. I rewound it. Okay. She put them <laughs> no, in you the know plastic I bag. Support, you know I support taking any stand against Whitney for little to no reason. <laughs> it is. So that's totally fine by me. 
was mortified. And I said, well, Black people aren't suspicious. Case in point right here. You know, you just you just don't know how people prepare their food. That's why you always have to say grace. If At Whitney least. had a cat, she would let the cat on the counter. I do know that. So I wouldn't I wouldn't want, really want to be eating off that charcuterie board either. That too. That too. And I don't think However, Lisa, did. Lisa no, Lisa was housing it. Like she oh. was going <laughs> absolutely nuts on this charcuterie. She was, I actually really liked it because she was eating all episode and uh, especially all they eat in fucking Salt Lake City is charcuterie. They are making, they are never not making a charcuterie board for someone to come over. And Lisa Barlow is eating it every time. Except <laughs> when they go to Lisa Barlow's house and she's like, here, I got three muffins from Sam's and four <laughs> croissants. Like, she and going in on food. them, which is how like a full circle moment, right? The episode starts with Lisa eating yeah. um, the charcuterie and it ends with her going in on that muffin. And so. you can actually feel safe about Lisa Barlow's food because it was all packaged somewhere else. And like none of it needs to be washed. It's like incredibly processed. It's fine. <laughs> which I appreciate. Third party verified. Speaking of... Oh, well, Whitney also thinks that Lisa is triggered by Angie being friendly with Monica. And to that, I say, duh. (laughs) (laughs) Whitney was really proud of her pop psychology that she was performing. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, uh, you think, Whitney? Good job. Like, even the strangers (laughs) in the room who don't know the names of Angie, Lisa, and Monica could figure out what was happening in that moment. Uh, I think this is going to be a storyline I know that this conversation... Yeah, I, I know this conversation is like supposed to reflect poorly on Lisa, and it does. But all the funniest things are happening with Whitney, like when Whitney, you know, kindly requests that Lisa not say the F word over and over and over again in her house where her kids are. But Whitney just like can't stop. She just keeps saying it and explaining that like well, they're going to think that we're arguing and they're not used to this. And I don't talk like this in the house. I talk, and, and Lisa's just kind of like stuffing unwashed grapes in her mouth, being like, okay, yeah, no, we got it. Can we get back to? Can we get back to fighting, please? It was so odd. It's like, your kids... I mean, we just saw Bobby turn 13. They're not four and five. You don't think the 13-year-olds at school are using the F word? Come on. I kind of felt like she was trying to make it a moment. Yeah, she was. I mean, like, y'all were... Your your husband lost his job because of the way that you guys... And I know you're adults, but you you don't think Bobby's friends talk about that at school? You don't think Bobby's sneaking in some episodes here? Like, come on. Come on. She got a golf cart. She got a golf cart. cart. She's of carting age. She's okay. Exactly. Bobby is fine. This is this is light work as they were subjected to Mary describing a, a human body being objected. Out okay. of the, I mean, objected, ejected out the top of a car. And then her saying they didn't survive. So that, this that's is a really light. good point, Rachel. It's a it's a really good point. But it's also makes me think, OK, maybe Whitney is like a little more aware of what's being said in her house after she thought she was inviting a pastor into her home. And then that pastor just talked about <laughs> like manslaughter the whole time. <laughs> Let's get into that pastor. So Pastor Mary, <laughs> Pastor Mary, you must have been thrilled at this because she invites Heather over for a mm. house tour. Mm. And I know how much you are intrigued by Mary's house. The thing about this intrigue is that it comes with no end because there are no answers. It's like getting looking at the house more doesn't solve anything. It just gives me more questions. It's the the chairs 
the backs of the <laughs> chairs grow in height every time we see them. But that, but that fellowship hall green carpet in the living room never changes. That is as consistent as the day is long. You know those little foil wrapped candies have been in those jars since she moved into that house. She modeled and it after a church, full of poison. <laughs> You know, now that you talk about the backs of the chairs, those are like pulpit chairs. You're right. Like yeah. she's probably taking things from the church and just implementing into into her house. She's probably holding church in. at the, at this point in the house. Come as you are. I do. I miss. That's what I miss about her being a full character, though, is seeing the weird stuff that she got up to. Like every morning, she and Robert Sr. unwrapping those hospital trays from pla- with, you know, like plastic saran wrap all over everything. I was about to say that you could eat safely at Mary's house because of the way that it seems like it's been prepared. But I, I still stand by that. Like, I, I think she's probably slowly poisoning Robert Sr. Like something's up. <laughs> like something's up with all that food. It's so funny First, That's I, why you went to Vegas. I well, I somebody needs to do a wellness check on Robert Senior. Like <laughs> I was thinking about that this episode. <laughs> like we keep referencing him. It's like her son's wife. We're referencing them, but we don't see where are they? Where is are she they? in that house? Do they need to not be saying the f word in front of twenty-two-year-old live-in children in that house? <laughs> <laughs> like where are these people? It's just Mary. Mary sitting in that fellowship hall all by herself. Um, okay, so Mary and Heather talk about the things that Heather wrote in this book. And I don't know about you, Jody, but I was shocked that Mary read any of Heather's book. Mary seems totally aloof. She doesn't want to be involved in what the women have going on and what they're doing. So the fact that she actually picked up that book, turned the pages, and found herself within them is shocking to me. But she did. And she is offended by the things that Heather said, which it seems to be only a paragraph. A paragraph and a half. And it is incredibly gracious towards Mary. Yeah. Yeah. She really could have gone in. And funny. And funny. Like, yes, the way she described it, I was like, I if I didn't watch the show, I'd say, well, who is this Mary individual? And I'd like to get to know her a little bit more. She sounds funny. It's very well written. And I'll say that about Heather's book. You know, I read Heather's book to interview her on the podcast. And it's so funny the way that all of these women are like, guess we're going to have to read our sections now. Like, read a damn book. This is literally, like, written by someone you know. It could not be more interesting to you. It's about a city that you live in and you are in it. Like, you can read the whole book. Mary does seem to be the only one at this point who's even read the section about herself. Which, again, you do point out, is a paragraph. Is she I'm going to I'm going to read what Heather wrote because it's so fine. She says Mary was equal parts elusive and forthcoming, engaging and disinterested. I agreed with anything and everything she said, and when she corrected my pronunciation, my grammar, my diet and my physical appearance, I hung my head in shame and thanked her, which is so accurate of how season 1 went down yeah. like with Heather. And like yeah. you know, Heather was very appeasing towards others in season one, especially Mary, who she's still appeasing towards. She's clearly terrified of her. Yeah. And, you know. She's playing it right. I like seeing that old dynamic. Yeah. It's funny. She's playing it the way that she should. But, like, let's be honest. Mary, if Mary was mad that she was in the book, she could have said, and Mary was there. And she would have had a fit. She could have said, Mary had a little lamb. Joseph and Mary 
you know, so Jesus. And she would say, I didn't. I had a little sheep and you lied. That's what she's saying is that is that Heather lied. And Heather, in the in the moment of the episode, kindly points out that Mary has also said some unkind things about her. And in a Sutton moment, which we'll get to, Mary says, name them, name them. And Heather is like, well, you said that I look inbred. Do you really think that I look inbred? And Mary says, well, yes. (laughs) It's the what lives in Mary's head that she thinks that she can ask Heather to apologize for saying that she is equal parts elusive and forthcoming when Mary is openly and often saying that she looks inbred is insane. That moment, I do. (laughs) I do. do. That's what she said. There was not one beat taken in between Heather's question and Mary's answer. Mary, do you think I look inbred? I do. And she, smi- and she smiled. And I thought to myself, and then she like doubles down on it, right? So this is the second time that she's told Heather that she looks inbred. And then she seems to like not understand what she inbred. said. Did that bother you? Yeah. So she like, said, I'm sorry, did that bother you? <laughs> I, I wish Heather would have said, Do you like what's your definition of inbred? Because Heather's like, I think it means like there's that you're saying I'm ugly, which it's deeper than that. Right? It's not just ugly. But Mary, I don't think she understands what inbred means. So then I was like, not as upset. I was like, I don't know if she knows what that means. Oh, she knows. She knows what it means because, like, it's a more, it's an insult about her being Mormon. Like, because when she originally says it, she's like, oh, she's got that Mormon attitude. She doesn't even know she looks inbred. Mary Cosby, the nerve of Mary Cosby, who married her step-grandfather and had a child with him. No blood. To call. To call some, it's as close as you can get without it to call someone inbred. <laughs> it's true. It's unreal. She's all nerve. She's all nerve <laughs> and green carpet. It's a, she's an unbelievable person. She's an alien. She, she truly, she truly is. She's somebody took over her body. Somebody did, but I am enjoying. <laughs> she is being controlled with pulleys and levers inside of her by something. And I'm enjoying the show. I truly am enjoying the show. It was a good merry day. It was a good merry day for me. I have good and bad merry days, and this one I was glad to have her there. Oh my gosh! I found myself through for the rest of the day saying, "I do." Somebody asked me something. I do. I do. Any any moment <laughs> I could say, "I do." <laughs> um. Okay. So we go from one. One in, intriguing person to another, an enigma, I should say. And that is Monica's mom. So Monica's mom decides to return the car, the car and they have this brief encounter. And I will say the most troubling thing to me about that scene were the mom's pigtails. I was going to, I knew, I was like, I... <laughs> oh no, she's going to say something actually emotional. And I was... Hands down, most I would say I was troubled by the entire look. She is wearing a pair of Burberry print, I, I think pajama pants. If they're not pajama pants, they're like some sort of unknowable style. A polo by Ralph Lauren, but it's like, I think it's that like polo association that you get at like Ross Dress for Less. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Zip up jacket with a Burberry scarf wrapped around her neck and 
inexplicable pigtails. Well, you know what it was? You know what? I couldn't get past the pigtails. So thank you for that very detailed description because I didn't even know what she was wearing. And I'll tell you why. Are you serious? Yes. It was so crazy. The moment I saw the pigtails, I thought this is this woman is extremely manipulative because it wasn't giving Marge from Jersey pigtails, right? Like Marge would acknowledge that she was wearing pigtails. She would say it was her thing. It was kind of like a quirky thing. I'm different. I wear pigtails, whatever. Monica's mother was doing it to portray innocence. She wanted Mm -hmm. to come off as childlike. She wanted to seem like, you know, like this little girl. And I thought, wow, this woman is next level manipulative. And I couldn't stop thinking about it the entire time they were having that conversation where Monica wouldn't even let her mother enter the home and met her in the driveway. I I couldn't get over the scene. It's It's like what is happening between these two is a case study. It is that woman has such a dark energy. And so to see her slap on a pair of thin pigtails is like especially startling. <laughs> it's not just any woman wearing pigtails. It is like this dark-sided woman. Thin. You said thin. They were they were small. They were very small. They were piggy. piggy tails. They were piggies. They, they were, were piggy, piggy tails. They were piggies. <laughs> um, yeah, you called it from day one, the moment we saw them all go to that um assisted living or nursing home with the grandmother. You you call like there is something deeply dark between that where it's almost like it's it's interesting to talk about but it also feels very wrong. Like we shouldn't be watching this happen because we're only getting a snippet of it. You know, it is so much worse. We're scratching the surface. The children know. The five-year-old knows. Oh, that was what was like really... And, and you know, we're seeing a performance from both sides. It's Absolutely. like, obviously this mom is putting, is putting on and her being like, th- her like so valiantly being like, Monica, we have got to go to therapy. The cycle of dysfunction in our family goes back to generations and we can be the ones to break it. And Monica's like, mom, you just stole my car. Right? She's like, mom, we've been going to therapy. The mom said it like, this is something new. This will fix us. And she's like, we've been going for years. And like, be the ones to break it is I don't know. Yeah, man, keep trying. But like, you, we're pretty late in life here on YouTube. Like, might not have to be the next generation that kind of really combs through this. But to see the way that her daughters reacted when the grandmother got there, yeah, it just made me really nervous. Because it's like, they have a lot of insight into this. Too much for kids. But, you know, can you keep it from them? Probably not. And then like the way that the older ones have to take care of the younger ones. They're like, should we lock the door? Like, it was just, that was tough. And you're right. We shouldn't be watching it, but I am on the edge of my seat watching it. Totally. And that's the thing too. It's like Monica keeps saying, I want to show my children something different. I don't want my children to be subjected to the same things that I did growing up. But you include them in, like, especially the oldest one, you include them on the issues with your mom. So it's like they see it. Children are very perceptive. They see it. So I don't know. For those for those children's sake, I just hope that like they figure it out or they just separate and start anew. Um, okay. 
We talked about Heather kind of cozying up to Mary and just kind of letting... Mary's the dominant. She's the submissive. It's very much so like, I'm just trying to keep the peace. I'm just trying to get along. But when I watch Lisa and Heather together, I feel like Heather's now doing that with Lisa. We also saw Heather do that with Jen Shaw. I feel like she's so desperately... Maybe desperately is too strong, but she really wants to have this friendship and be accepted by Lisa. We've seen, and you pointed it out um, last week's episode, we've seen their troubled past and they've known each other the longest. They went to school together or college together. She went to high school with Angie, college with Lisa. Um, And there seems to be this deep desire to be accepted by Lisa. And I just see Heather really trying over going like beyond to be Lisa's friend. Do you, are you getting that? It's just, and maybe it was, maybe the rap, the away in a manger rap put me over the edge. It's like giving, giving Lisa any opportunity to have all the attention on her front and sitter, just really catering to her in a way that I Except- don't care to see. Well, I didn't take the rap that way because the entire production and her singing and then rapping was so deeply embarrassing for Lisa. And I think she actually even felt embarrassed by it. Like, you see her, <laughs> her face is like stone when she walks away from the rap because there was not a good response to it. This was not a Watch What Happens Live audience. This was like <laughs> a real audience and they were not interested. And so I think she was really embarrassed. And I was like, wow, I can't believe that she did that for Heather. Like, that. it was just, it was, I, I kind of felt like Lisa was also deferring to Heather a bit, you know, like she did the opening for her. It was about being a bad Mormon and like Lisa is Mormon. What I'm getting more from Heather right now, which is talked about a little bit elsewhere in the episode, is that she's just doing the easiest thing, which is like, I think what Heather does a lot and then it comes back to bite her is like she doesn't want to have to deal with something. So she just does the, which I do this too. She just does the easiest thing until it blows up in her face. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. But I'm always, I actually am always really fascinated by Lisa and Heather's dynamic because it's so deeply rooted and they could work together, but they so often just can't. So I'm kind of like, okay. But then there's also the meta aspect that they are the anchors of the show. Yeah. I mean, I guess Whitney's been there since the beginning too, but it's in and, and Meredith, but like they're not anchors. It's like Whitney and Heather are what bind this show and this group of people together. And if they like fundamentally can't get along, then what happens to the show? And it's That's very important point. to them. That's actually a really good point. I mean, you are so well, like you could write a thesis on the relationship with Lisa and Heather. And I love it. And every time you talk, I'm like, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. I see it. I see it just as you do. Just as you do. Um, Angie, Which makes me think of, I'm pretty sure that when I interviewed Lisa Barlow, I said something crazy like, like, it's. I'm so fascinated by you guys because you're kind of like the foundational wound of Salt Lake City. And she blinked her eyes at me so big. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> And I'm like, oh, you don't see that? That's not, you're not observing that? You don't see that? <laughs> no, she's like, I'm just, did somebody say Vita Tequila? Like, that's all that she heard. Um, Angie, I'm not going to spend much on this, but Angie's just trying to have a moment on the show because she really didn't. So she confronts 
Meredith, who Meredith wants nothing to do with her. And I don't see that relationship going anywhere. Like every time Angie tries to come up and talk to Meredith, I'm like, please don't just let it go. Meredith wants nothing yeah. to do with you. It's try somebody else. Go, go talk. To yeah. Lisa. Angie just has to let it go. Cause like last week we were like, do we like Angie? How was it? It's just something about between Angie and Meredith is like, it's just a non-starter. And Meredith is almost becoming like Mary where you just have to seclude her somewhere else to be able to watch her. And I, I gotta say, I, I, I did think it was pretty funny watching her try to do that podcast. I also liked the podcast producer representation for producer Devin. I was like, Devin, do you see yourself in Antonio? <laughs> I was like, producer Devin would never. Okay, they like so you guys. They're they're recording and they're having this extremely intimate moment, which. I was kind of like, okay, this is weird for podcasting. Podcasting. Well, I was like, what is this podcast? Case about? in point, this is a prime example that everybody can't do a podcast. Like, and maybe they've come a lot, like maybe that was the first one and they've improved since. So I don't want to like harp on it too much. But everybody, you can't just pick up a microphone and start talking, right? Like you have to be able to engage with your co-host and an audience. There has to be a format, an outline, a plan. They were just talking. It was like a therapy session. They were just talking to on each other. On a physical level, they are sitting on their couch and leaning towards microphones on the coffee table. I was like, you guys are going to ruin your pelvic floor. Like, you got to have, you got to take care of yourself. You got to sit in a chair. You got to have your microphone in a stand. Yes, it was so weird. Producer Devin points out that Seth was eating while he was recording. I have to admit, I do that as well sometimes. No, you during, do not. During higher learning, sometimes it's the first time that I've eaten throughout the day. Now, since we've moved up recording time, I no longer have that as an issue. But it used to be one. So I am guilty of that. Uh, but it's wrong. And I'm, and and our, my li- the listeners complain. Every single I was going to say, and Seth, and Seth will learn when he gets reviews that it is not appreciated. Every single time. <laughs> But they're having this intimate moment where they're talking about their marriage and how they lost their way and found their way back to each other. And then Seth looks over at the computer and realizes that they're recording. And this is what I'm referring to about producer Devin. She would never, before we start every podcast, it's check your levels. Is everybody recording? Let's go. The fact that that producer did not know they were recording. I Was it, was it um, Brooks? <laughs> was Brooks the one by? Was Brooks the producer? Was, was Brooks, Brooks Antonio in a mask? I, I might, they should, ha- honestly, they should have Brooks be the producer. Like he would, I actually think Brooks would never let that happen. It was, and also I do, I do feel like probably as a producer, because I do this sometimes just recording, if something's getting really good, like I do, when I'm doing an interview for a piece and I'm recording it, like, if something's getting really good, my eyes flicker over to make sure it's recording. Because, like, that's what you're like, yeah, I have yeah, to have this. I have absolutely. to have this tape. And Seth is crying, Meredith is crying, and they got nothing. Well, thank God it was captured on camera. Maybe they <laughs> have the audio. God. <laughs> Maybe they have the audio. They were mic'd. Maybe they have the audio. <laughs> they were mic'd. Um, okay, so the episode ends with Lisa coming over to Aunt... Angie coming over to Lisa's. Angie comes over to Lisa's. They want to talk about Monica and because Lisa's just highly upset that they have this friendship and she doesn't understand it because she feels like, you know, Angie, I guess, was talking a lot about her and she doesn't understand how they could be friends. And yeah, so I, I mean, that's how it ends. It was a, it was a like, I don't know, like a boring way to end the episode because 
we weren't really getting anywhere. I don't know if you got anything out of that conversation. I I mean, it's Lisa's very defensive about making sure that people know. And by people, I do mean the audience. Like, that we know (laughs) that she's not mad at Angie because she's being friendly with Monica. She doesn't care who anyone is friends with. That's what she's always saying because that's like what happened with Meredith or whatever. It's like, no, you can be friends with whoever you want. I don't care. You can be friends with whoever you want. You lied to me about it. Like, and Monica and Angie is basically like, well, in between you and I having a conversation, Monica and I had a conversation. (laughs) It went really well. We ate cake and we were really nice to each other. And so now I'm fine with her. It's just, Lisa's been freaking out something's there's something in retrograde or something while these shows are being filmed because also in Beverly Hills people are just freaking out yeah everyone's acting nuts well (laughs) for Lisa I believe it's because you know what's her son Jack Jack has decided to take a mission and now we know he's going to Columbia which you have information it's rumored that he is not in Columbia actually so Lisa must be over the moon well, he has been spotted in a TJ Maxx, in a TJ Maxx home goods combo, wearing his little badge and his little outfit to be a Mormon missionary. And it is not a TJ Maxx in Columbia. It is in Irvine, California, I guess. <laughs> so he does seem to be still serving his mission, um, but he does not seem to be in Columbia. Interesting. We'll have to... F- well, We're not we- sure why. If we find out more, we will report back. Um, okay, that is enough for Salt Lake City. Let's move on to Beverly Hills. Since you since something is going on in Beverly Hills, too. Something's in the air. Something's going on. Something's going on. Uh, well, they are in Vegas, and something does go on in Vegas. And I was I was watching Watch What Happens Live with Marin Morris and Sutton, and the way Marin Morris described Vegas, I was like, that's absolutely it. It's like exhausting. You're all dried up. Like it's it I don't it's not the summer here for the women, but it, there's just something that exhausts you about Vegas, whether you, you don't even have is to that, be up late at night. It's I don't know what it is. They pump all that oxygen into the casinos and then you get you your body gets used to it and then once you lose it, it's like something's if everything's artificial and you never you like never see the sunlight. <laughs> you never see the sunlight. That is so true. That's what it is. Um so we're still in Vegas. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but this episode starts off with the ladies all separate for different lunches, which I liked this. I liked yeah. it. Two by two, just as they went into the arc, mm-hmm. these women separated and you have Erica and Crystal who go to lunch and have a separate conversation because I like this. Like, we're getting different storylines. Dorit and Kyle go to lunch and then Garcelle and Sutton go to lunch. Well, they hang out and then they go to lunch with Oliver where I'm just like, stop trying to make Oliver happen. <laughs> Unless we're getting Vanderpump not gonna happen. <laughs> unless we're getting Vanderpump Vegas, like we didn't need a scene where Oliver is explaining once again that he was separated from his wife. I am I don't care. I'm over that whole situation. Like it was a thing until the scandal. We've moved on. There were there were bigger fish to fry when it came to that drama, and we fried it so many times. I'm done. I'm done with that. Um so Erica and Crystal go to lunch. They have nothing to talk about. That was interesting. They really don't. They don't. I did think they both looked so beautiful. <laughs> I 
was just like, wow, they look amazing. <laughs> Their skin is so clear. Um, and that was it. I mean, I, it was kind of funny that Crystal was basically just like, God, so like, does your life just suck now? Like, or did it suck more before? They bo- Both of your lives seem like they suck. Like, which one's worse and would you go back? I Listen, listen, it, I... I was like, who put these two together? Like, they were leftovers. They were just the leftovers, yeah. All they can do is talk about the night before. They really don't have a relationship, but it is what it is. Um, Okay, so Kyle and Dorit are sitting down and having a much more intimate conversation because they are actually friends. And it's, I have to say, I'm actually, the word is not enjoying, but I'm a little surprised and I actually appreciate the fact that we are seeing how the relationship between Kyle and Mauricio is breaking down because we know the separation happened after they finished filming. And so it was like, oh, we're not going to get any of it. You know, they're going to come back and try to make it a thing. But we are actually, I don't know, I don't know if I want to jump to understanding, but seeing how there's the pieces are, or things are falling apart. So Kyle is talking to um, Dorit and Dorit is basically, you know, questioning her about the relationship. And Kyle's like, and I never thought of it this way. She's like, listen, I'm sober. I've been sober for over a year. The things that I, the way that I am, the way I'm navigating life, it's just different. I'm focused on different things. Mo is focused on his work. He drinks a lot. He goes, has to go out and entertain. And they just seem to be moving in completely different ways. And I never realized that, I first off, I forget Kyle's sober, but I didn't realize that the sober lifestyle is really at odds with what Mo is having to do for work. And it's interesting because he's, this is also why you're able to afford the lifestyle that you want. So it's to hear Kyle say, well, I'd rather just live in the mountains and be away from people. It's like, you've changed. But he's still kind of on the same path that you guys were on, have always been on these 20 plus years. And it's a it's a tough place to be. Like, I think that's a very common story in a couple, you know, like one person just kind of gets to a point where they're ready to make a change that they've probably wanted to make for a long time. And like for her, it's like it's not just being sober. It's like a lot of stuff is going on. I mean, the way she keeps telling everybody else that they seem like they're going through something, it's like, Kyle is going through something. I don't totally know what it is, but like, you know, she's, she's given up alcohol. She's obviously like extremely focused on like her body and what goes into it. She's, I think like dressing really differently. She's acting differently. She's kind of like rebelling, you know, like she is just going through a midlife something and to be <clears throat> the other person on the other side of it who didn't think they needed a change and who thought everything was fine. And then that was what I was referencing as we hear Mauricio very briefly say to PK, like that he basically just does the easiest thing. And the easiest thing is like, the wife is always right. And that's not working anymore. Like something's not working. And so I don't know that we're like, like you said, we're not understanding what's happening necessarily, but it does seem real. Like it does seem like real issues, you know, Yeah, I don't, I think we were all kind of like, oh, like usual, Kyle's going to be kind of manipulating this behind the scenes, showing us whatever she wants us to see so that that plays into whatever happens. I'm sure she's doing that to an extent, but like she can't hide 
the way that the tears start coming out of her eyes when Dorit is like, well, if all of this is going on, how do you sustain a marriage? Like, are you ever worried that this isn't going to last? She starts crying in a way that is like, it's like those silent, like you can't stem them kind of tears. She's just really emotional. And that it, that's kind of the answer, you yeah. know? It felt, it, it it was very real. And then even to see her later trying to have a conversation with Mauricio and like they had so stunted. Nothing. She was like, can you give me the girl version? And I was like, and he he seems very distracted and focused on work. And it's, it's again, I go back, it's tough because they obviously have had these dreams for their family. He's built this very successful company and he wants to continue to build it. And that's usually how it is. I mean, there's so many blood, sweat and tears when you're building a business. And as it becomes more successful, the more those blood, sweat and tears come out of it until he sells it or, you know, another person takes over. I mean, they're international at this point. So he's only going to continue going in this direction. And I think with her, you know, she's always been a very proud mother. I mean, still is. But even though the girls are still living at home, which is interesting, they're grown. They have their own lives. Um, she probably rarely sees them. Portia's a teenager now. She's probably preparing for college at this point. So I feel like she feels like her role is changing and she's probably wanting to lean on her partner who's not there because he's building this business, filming for another and show. Mauricio's going to find himself crying on a podcast, sitting on a couch, just like Seth was saying, I should have been there. I thought I was supposed to be making money, but I should have been there. Yep. Yep. So we'll, we'll, I mean, obviously to date, we know, I mean, Kyle slipped up and said divorce at BravoCon. So I don't know. It doesn't sound like they're working on their separation at all. Um, so that, that's, that, that's that. We have three totally different types of conversations. One <laughs> about nothing, two very deep, and then three Sutton and Garcelle's just wacky. So Garcelle decides to take Sutton on a gondola and how do you say it? A gondolier? A gondoliers? Gondol- I, I've never seen... I've never Gondolier. Or a gondolier. Okay, yeah. so the guy is, you know, this the guy on the gondola. He's, you know, moving them along the way in this river. I've never done this in Vegas before. I don't even know what... Is that in the Venetian? I don't even know where that is. I don't want to be in that water. I don't want... It's I don't like inside water. <laughs> but they're trying to have this conversation, which is kind of serious. And it's so funny because the man starts singing. <laughs> Great voice. He is... He is singing. I mean, he is going for it. And Jody, he should have. Let me it tell you something. gorgeous. This man... <laughs> By all day, every day, we'll just say, he works all day, every day, moving people around this gondola in dirty water, indoors, not outside, so he doesn't see the light of day, in Italian, in the middle of Vegas. I think he was singing in Italian. In the middle of Vegas, with this beautiful voice. He is a diamond in the rough. He has not been discovered. So you bet your ass that when the cameras were rolling, I too would have said, this is my moment. <laughs> yeah. This, it was not, he was not going to lose that opportunity. And I am not mad at it. He said, I can hear that the woman on this boat is talking about how she doesn't trust her friends with the safety of her children. And that's too bad because I got some opera to sing. Yeah. And I was like, you go. You, that's exactly what you should be doing. You understood that assignment. You said, I'm, this is my moment. And for all we know, he's really on a, on a real console in Italy right now, 
really doing it. Maybe they booked it for do you, something else. Do you think that that is like the upward trajectory of a of a gondolier? <laughs> to I like to from think like so. A fake Vegas gondolier to I a real. I like to think so. Or maybe he's on stage somewhere in Vegas. But he is an untapped talent that needs He'll to be discovered. He'll definitely be at BravoCon next year. We know that much. <laughs> oh my gosh! Can you imagine? He's just they they have like a little lazy river that he's just moving because. To- That'd be awesome, actually. And it's going to be in Vegas. We'll go see him. It might be in Vegas. Because did you see that the the not security guard, the waiter not security guard that Meredith like screamed at to get Angie out of the restaurant was at BravoCon and they reconnected? Yes, he was. It is in Vegas next year. Yes, he was. Um, Okay, so the ladies decide to go to dinner in a country bar. They get all dressed up in their gear. I really thought they were going to a Shania Twain concert. They get all dressed up in their gear, go to dinner at the Delano. I didn't even see that, or Delano. I didn't even see that restaurant when we were there. Oh, Um, I didn't realize that was where they were. Yeah, like they flashed to the hotel and I was like, oh, okay. Um, And then they go to Gillies, which, shocking. Gillies is in Texas. I did not know that there was a Gillies. Yes. There's Gillies in Gillies, I, I, I didn't look this started. up, but I was kind of like trying to figure out if it was off the strip or something because those people looked be. local. It might be. Oh, yeah. Like speaking of taking their moments, when that guy, when, you know, they were like, okay, can you show us something on the bull? And the man who works the bull jumps on the back of the bull and starts like standing on it like he's surfing in water and then like riding it backwards. And I was like, okay, this is a moment that I did not need you to understand. I did not need, we did not need to see all of this. Like, it's like a one trick pony as opposed to <laughs> real talent, like our gondolier. Okay, that was, that was, that, that man was is, true. The bull rider is not invited to BravoCon. That was <laughs> Rachel true. was not impressed. Um, does Kyle have a, an investment in uh, Kimosabi? Because I, it, we're getting like a mention a week every episode. She has and to. And it's like, she pulls out the hat and she's like, real diamonds. And it's like, and I love hats. I am a hat wearer. But enough. 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 <laughs> enough. <laughs> Let the mouse go. <laughs> <laughs> enough. Now, there is something that Garcelle says in her confessional that I was kind of like, mm she alludes to the fact of Kyle not being as fun when she's sober. And that was a moment where I was like, for whatever reason, Kyle decides to be sober because she thought she drank too much, because for health reasons, because, I don't know, she wanted to challenge herself. I didn't even notice Kyle was sober. So I still think she's a lot of fun. I think she's got a fun personality. But just to say that, it was also like, you don't have to drink to have fun. I don't know. I just want to point that well, out. And then she says something to her when Kyle orders, like she asks for a non-alcoholic beer. They're like, we can make you a mocktail. She's like, yeah, I'll have that. And then Garcelle is like, how long is this going to go on? Like she's being a little snotty about it. It's, it's just one of those things. Don't ask people about their bodies. Don't ask them why they're, or like just let people not drink, you know? Yeah, just yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um... Okay, so they go to the to Gillies. Gillies is a fun place, but these ladies didn't seem to enjoy it that much because only two of them got on the bull. Sen got on for 15 seconds. It's like, why are we it was at Gillies? a nervous wreck about it. Why are we at Gillies? You go to ride the bull. You go to line dance. Like, 
Don't just dress the honky talk. Live the honky talk life. It's, it, it, like, immerse yourself into the experience. Whatever. Um, okay, so then the ladies finally, finally leave Vegas. Uh, they go to the airport to catch their PJ, their private jet. They run into, on the way, as they're leaving. And I'm curious, do you Quite think this serendipitously. was planned? Do you think this was planned? I mean, that's, I mean, are they controlling the elevators? Like, that's tough. That's tough to have planned that perfectly. I don't think this was planned. But as they're waiting for their elevator, they're all standing there. The door's open. It's some of the Magic Mike dancers who are Erica's friends. Erica, we know she gave up arguing for Lamp, but she did not give calling people out and putting them on the spot, which she does with Sutton to apologize to them because she basically says, Sutton said your show was shitty or something like that. Um, Sutton, it, I mean, she spirals after this. That like she completely spirals, gets upset. She's on the Sprinter van. She's feeling bad. She's embarrassed. She's crying. She's all the things. And all the women are trying to comfort her in their different ways. And nothing seems to settle her down. She's just, she's too far gone at this point. You're, do you, you, you're squinting your eyes. You're shaking your head. You don't quite think, you use the word serendipitous. You don't think that it was well, a coincidence. you're right. The only, it would be so hard to plan it. Yeah, because they're not controlling the elevators. Elevators in those hotels in Vegas move so fast. Like, that I don't think that Mikey, I, don't, I, wouldn't put, I wouldn't put anything past Mikey, but Mikey and Erica trying to coordinate him being like, okay, we're on the 12th floor and we're coming down. Also, Mikey's not staying on a higher floor than Erica. I, but so why were they coming down? I don't know. I have questions. The thing that seemed most suspicious to me was how quickly Erica reacted. Like the doors open and then everyone's like, oh, Davis. Cause like they know him. He's Mikey's boyfriend. And I guess Mikey is in there. There's like a very funny Chiron where it's like also in the elevator, Mikey, but we can't <laughs> see him. You just made me think of something. They were on the ground floor because they had that pool, right? Weren't they on the ground floor? Um, Maybe they weren't. I'm trying to think when when Dorit was outside talking to PK on the phone and she's like, this is our backyard. But I can't remember if they were looking at the top of buildings or we didn't. I don't know. But now that I'm thinking, I'm like, they're on the ground floor. So why were they getting on the elevator? Why were they filming them at the elevator? Now I'm suspicious. There were some can, suspicious things happening. Like you the can cameras control were so an ready. They could control the you elevator. Can. So now I'm like, why were the... We have never seen ladies, to my knowledge, leave in that way from a trip. Like, yeah. And then they were all going to pile on an elevator. I, I, I don't cameras, know. In some ways, yeah. it seemed totally normal. They were just hanging around. But in other ways... But either way, it creates this confrontation. And I actually thought the people involved in the confrontation, Davis and Sutton, handled it pretty well in the moment. I thought Davis was quite generous to just be like, yeah, you guys should come again and catch the end. Like, it's a good show. He said and it it's, gets artistic. It, it gets quite artful. <laughs> artful. Artful. <laughs> and Sutton was like, I know. I'm sorry I missed that. I was like, I'm, you are not... I don't know what is going on with Sutton, but she was at least like in that moment, you know, kind of like I overreacted. It was just this thing. But then, so then, yeah, she goes on the van. She cries. 
Everyone kind of lets it go. Erica's back to her Linton promise. She is back to not fighting once they're in the van. And then back in Beverly Hills, Kyle shows up at Sutton's house unannounced. That's what Sutton says when... And it really does seem like at that moment, the cameras are kind of getting in place. They weren't already in there. When you hear Sutton opening the door and saying, did you just come to my house unannounced? You, We can't see her. So like that suggests to me that this actually is a surprise. And Sutton is hammered. It's just extremely clear that she's Is she? I didn't... Oh my gosh, Jody! I didn't even pay attention to that. Maybe I was Rachel. Maybe I was listening and I wasn't looking at the camera because I didn't even catch that she said it wasn't planned. All I remember is the B roll of everybody walking around in the rain, and I was like, uh-huh. "Enough! This is enough!" And Kyle showing up and being like, "It's, it's you know, torrential out there, whatever it is that she says," and I'm like, "What's going?" Yeah, like, as she just shows up. So I must have been distracted towards the end. I was like, let's get to the part that we've seen on the previews leading up to this episode. So, wow, I did not get that she was hammered. You know, there's that small... I I think they're at least trying to suggest that. And then to me, it totally seemed like she was. But there's also the earlier clip where she pours herself what I would call a quadruple. I mean, a stiff, stiff pour of... It's like, and it's... There's such a recognizable rich person drunk around what is happening. Like when she opens this cabinet and it's full of the exact drink that she drinks, that there are like three handles of Kettle One, three giant bottles of grapefruit juice in there. And she gets out one of those plastic cups. It's like the kind of cup you get at the Masters. It's like this very specific kind of cup that like rich alcoholic Southern people like exactly to use to mean. pour. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. She pours four inches of vodka in it and then grapefruit juice and the editors show us that it's 1 p.m. So like (laughs) a narrative is being told here. It's not, and I guess it's on the same day. Yeah. Um, So then Kyle, Kyle arrives, I guess. And, and I guess we're supposed to kind of think like, who knows how many of these stiff pours she's had at this point. And then Kyle asks for tea or hot chocolate. And she says, I'm having a cocktail. I'm having a cocktail. And she's, so mean to that assistant. Something's yeah. going on. I She's sound like Kyle, so, but something's going on. She and and I feel like he pops up out of nowhere because it was always the other guy that we used to always see. And I'm like, I don't ever remember yeah, seeing Yeah, like a Avi. young guy. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he's new. I don't and she yeah, she must be upset that the other guy, I want to call him Josh for some reason, is no longer there. Um, yeah, so interesting. Now I want to go back and watch that clip because I definitely didn't catch all of that. And I not I want to, I will. Um So this is where we see Kyle talking to Sutton and basically telling her she has a habit of losing her shit in ridiculous circumstances, which I love the way that she phrases that. And this is where we get the famous name them. Name them. Name them. Name them. Name them. I couldn't believe how many times she said it. Because she thought it was cute. That would have... It would have also made me crazy. Like, I probably would have reacted like Kyle. It's like, well, shut the fuck up and let me. <laughs> yeah. No, she, <laughs> she but thought Kyle that was also, so cute. Kyle, to use her own word, is also wildly rude. I mean, Kyle's very rude very often. Like, she comes into Sutton's house unannounced and then goes, and by the way, fuck you for that. She treats Sutton like a sister. There's something about Sutton that, like, really makes her act the way that she acts with her sisters. They're just like calling each other bitches, saying fuck you. And 
Yeah, they have like such a strange relationship. And then the name them, name them. And, you know, to Kyle's credit, once once Sutton finally gives her a breath, she does name them. Ugly Leather Pants Day when she didn't have a present for Garcelle. Face roller time when she was racist and Crystal called her out on it. And this time in Las Vegas. Those are the times she named them. No, she definitely named him. And I don't know if I would have been able to name him on the spot, but she did, which means, and you know, she's forgetting some, right? Uh-huh. But, yeah. Which it's so interesting that you talk about the diet. I know we, I know we, we, we're going to move on to Potomac, guys. There's just so much to cover. But it is interesting the way that she talks about or the way she treats Sutton and Sutton is starting to recognize it because Sutton does make that comment in her confessional where she's like, I don't, I don't think she's ever had my back. She's not a friend to me. And they, I I actually enjoy seeing the two of them together because they don't always get along. And it is like that relationship, the sister relationship, which is maybe familiar to me having sisters. But um, yeah, that's the, the show ends on a TBD with the name them, name them, name them. Um, and and the the look on Sutton's face when Kyle yells at her, she's so taken aback. Like, what? I just asked you to name them. Uh so good. I want you to go back and look. Go back and look at those eyes when she makes that face, oh, and you oh. are going to see four inches of kettle <laughs> one in them. I'm definitely going to go watch back. Only question I have is: when Kyle showed up, did she show up with the cameras, or were the cameras already in Sutton's house? I think that Kyle showed up with the cameras, and they came inside Sutton's house to get her arriving. Because also Sutton's like, I, I was watching this too carefully, but like her makeup looks way different than it ever does. Like she looks different. She doesn't have like on-screen makeup on. She has just makeup on. Yeah. I think. Yeah. But I don't, I'm not totally sure. I will report back after I watch yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Please in, do your investigative due diligence. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Bye, Jody. We're going to move on to Potomac with Callie Curry. We're going to get into season eight, episode two, Home Sweet Drama. Kind of a, yeah, a little bit of a in-betweener episode. Uh, Van is watching Potomac this season, and he even said that he saw the episode before me. Of course, me. he is. He saw it before me, and he was like, <laughs> "Not a great episode." And I was like, "Okay, Van, you just joined." And then I watched it, and I was like, "Okay, he's kind of right. He's kind of right. Not not well, amazing. Not my favorite." The buildup of the episode from what we saw in the previews, I thought it was going to be them confront all the other people confronting Robin, and we didn't get that. It is it my imagination or we just started with Ashley and her mom. We just started yeah. yeah, like we didn't even pick up from that. Like we left it and yeah, turned like closed that chapter, moved on to the next one. And I guess cuz I I watched it again this morning, like did I miss that? How did how was this not no. a TBD? Very interesting. It seems like I don't know. 
That seems like a production call where they, obviously that was probably a very long conversation, but they just cut it for whatever reason. Maybe they weren't getting anywhere because Robin is like, this is, this is my story. This is Juan's story. We're not going to say <sighs> anything different. And I feel like, you know what? If that's the case, then let's move on. I agree. We did get the conversation again of her and Juan talking about what the girl said. And Juan's big thing is, I don't care. And I want to be like, yes, Juan, that's the problem. You don't care. You don't care about Robin. You don't care about what it makes her feel. You don't care about what it makes her look like. You don't care about anything but yourself. Yeah. It's very obvious. Yeah, it, it it actually really is. And it's actually, I felt when I was watching that conversation. So yeah, we don't pick up with the ladies, but we do. Next time we find Robin, she's in a kitchen talking with Juan again. And that conversation definitely felt to me like they practiced it before. It's like at night, I felt like there were no cameras. And she probably was like, listen, I had this intervention with the women. Let me tell you what happened. We'll have to talk about it tomorrow. That's that's what it was giving me because there's something she says where she was like, and the women were confronting me and Juan goes, she goes, it felt like an intervention. And Juan goes, what? And it just didn't seem like that was the first time he heard it. I don't know. I feel like they did this song well, and dance it, the night before. It might it might not be the first time you've heard it because it's probably not um, Robin's first intervention from people telling her to 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 do something with Juan. It's probably her fifth intervention this year. I constantly think like what because we see Robin's parents on this show sometimes. What do her parents think? I think her parents supportive. If her parents are old school, like, you know how like old school, and I can only speak for yeah, black. Yeah, yeah. Like they, they, they're like, you're supposed to be together. You're not supposed to divorce, especially if they're religious too. You're not supposed to divorce. You have kids together, you know? So they probably just support the union again and don't get involved in anything else. Do you think that Robin thinks that way? Yes. I think Robin, they've been together since high school, college. I think high school. It's, I mean, I would imagine that this is like been the only guy that she's been with. Definitely the first. And ever? I mean. They were divorced for a long time. How, was it that long? Okay, maybe not ever. But her first, we'll just say her first. First love, for sure. First love. So, and they have two kids together and they have a lot of history. And I, I'm almost positive they went to high school together. So, yeah, I think Robin wants this as well. And to the point where she got married again. So this, this time, and I said this last week, like she's in it. So this is their story. So I'm kind of like, I don't want to talk about it anymore. They're not going to change. Yeah. This is, it's like, we're just going around in this hamster wheel. We've got to move on from the Juan and Robin of it. We've, we might've thought in season eight that... We were going to get something new. We're not. Let's move on. They do mention the lawsuit, which they call an unfortunate mm -hmm. lawsuit. Um, and Robin says, and I quote, knowing what I know, Juan not only did nothing wrong, he did everything right. I should note, I looked this up. He has been dropped from that lawsuit. Oh, that's good news. Yeah. He's still fired. But he's been dropped. But well, he's fired because I think they he had, had to, three times think, a losing record uh, over their winning well, record. 
No, yes, for sure that. But also I do think that if all of this is happening in your house and you're completely unaware and you have a losing record, like I feel I feel like y- you have to be fired in that situation. You need to have a better you have to have a better hold on what's happening. But the other guy who was named under you. The other guy who was named is is uh still there. There was another coach that was named. I don't know if he was an assistant or head. And maybe because he wasn't the head coach. I don't know. But he's still there. Yeah. But Juan is done. He seems to not be phased by it in the way that we were. And it's just like he wants the truth to come out, which now he's been dropped from the lawsuit. I have to imagine, even though like obviously Juan wasn't the guy doing it, but I have to imagine it's going to be hard for him to get another job. Yeah. I mean... The losing record, it was like, it's his record was like 50-something to 130. 50 wins, 130 yeah, but I, losses. I feel like the combination of it all just isn't great. And I'm glad he was dropped from the suit because that just means hopefully that he doesn't have like a lot of culpability, which is awesome for us to hear because we're watching him. Um, but just the narrative of it all, like it would be really hard for parents to trust him with their kids again. And I think... Also, I don't think a basketball program wants these cameras around. They don't want that attention. Oh, that's true. The housewives' that's attention. We, I mean, we talked about that with Wendy. Like, I was, I'm always shocked that they're cool with Wendy being on the show. Well, who's cool? Oh, work. Well, I don't know if she still works with them or not. But let's talk about that. Because now she's launching her own talk show, which... uh <sighs> <laughs> Every season, Wendy, you can't have something new. Every season she's cannot trolling be something us. new. She's got to be trolling us at this point. Also, a talk show? I'm like, where did... What? It's... I, I just... Who asked for this? First off... No one. It is No one. Tough. Also, uh, I mean, we see people like Kelly Clarkson struggling with a talk show. You, Wendy, think that you're going to have a talk show and a talk show with zero focus? She's like, we're going to talk about important things and non-important yeah. things. And I'm like, oh, so, so you're going to talk about everything. Is that what you're saying? It's like, so true. It's- and then her being like, we're already over budget. And the lady being like, well, that's not a lot of budget. And then she's like, like, "This, do you have a PA? And she's like, yes. And then she's like, what's a PA? I was like, oh, Wendy. Like, I guess I'm just sick of the narrative. And also, we, we saw this with Seth and Meredith with their podcast. Like, oh, I have a platform. This is nothing for me to do. Every That's the problem with, and I say this as a person who, who speaks podcast. for a living. <laughs> so you, you feel free to like come at me for this. But just because you have a platform doesn't mean everybody wants to hear what you have to say. It doesn't mean you get, you should pick up a microphone and start filming yourself or whatever. Like that's, everybody has their own platform now and thinks that it's just so easy to do. And it's not. No, it's not easy to do. But also, you know, what makes it easier is actually having a point of view, actually having something to talk about, like actually having a focus makes it a lot easier because then you can get people that are interested in whatever, whatever topic your focus your podcast is focused on. Just saying, we're going to talk about everything. It's like, okay. Yeah. And it is... I, you know what? Produce it. Because I want to see it. I want to see what this looks like. I don't. I do. I do. Um, but if you don't even know what a PA is... But just say that. We're, we're, you're not even... But, but also, we're not even at step one. If you don't have a PA, 
We're not on step one. The problem is she didn't know. It's not that she didn't have a PA or didn't know. It's that she lied about knowing. It's like, you gotta be, you gotta say what you don't know. You're entering a world that you have no experience. Just because you logged on to Zoom and contributed a few times on MSNBC does not now make you an expert in starting a whole show. And it's hard to do a talk show by yourself. Like a co-host is a lot easier, but it's hard. Just look at the talk shows that are on now, as you pointed out, to like be able to hold your own especially if you don't have guests. Um, people work work for years to do that. So we meet. Ashley has her housewarming. Um, we don't get a lot of Candace this episode. Candace is not invited. She's off in LA doing something. Um, mo- all the rest Candace of the ladies come. We meet NECA. Am I saying that right? I have a friend named NECA. I have a friend named NECA, and we definitely are like NECA. Um, I I couldn't tell the difference she was like oh you're letting him say your name wrong and I was like what's the difference NECA or NECA yeah Mm, yeah NECA by the way I would like to know what the difference is so if you guys know what the difference is please let me know I just could not tell the difference between what Wendy was saying and what NECA was saying yeah I think it's just holding the end longer but Again, I've had, I have a very, one of my very closest friends is named NECA and she has never corrected the way that we say it. Um, So we meet her. She is rich, rich, checking off all the boxes of being a quintessential housewife, it seems. Um, She lives in Potomac. Let's just start there because not most of the (laughs) women do. She's, you know, like comes from family money. She's um, got a great job, career. So does her husband. They're trying to have kids. They're showing off their properties. They're international with their properties. She thinks she can't remember if they have any in Africa or not. But so far, I'm liking it. She's already coming in with a little drama because she knows Wendy. She's talking about this whole Osu thing, which I had never heard of. Yoruba, Igbo, I know that, but I've never heard of Osu. And they try to explain it to us. I still don't understand, but it's not a good thing. That's all I know. It's not a good thing. So we know that there's probably going to be some beef between NECA and Wendy, but right now everything seems copacetic. Um, I took Yoruba or Yoruba. I think we called it Yoruba, but Yoruba a lot of people college. did. A lot of athletes did. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> it tracks. <laughs> took it for two years. Um, Can, do you remember anything? No, I always get it confused with Latin because I oh, I is it that Latin similar? In high school. Uh, <laughs> Ogbeni, I remember that. Ogbeni is teacher. All the all the football players took Yerba <laughs> at Texas. <laughs> it was it was literally all athletes in my class, and my Yoruba teacher was like, "If you put if you give me your cell phone when you walk into the class, I'll pass you." I was like, "All right." <laughs> Getting my cell phone. Nice to know it's consistent amongst <laughs> all the D1 schools. <laughs> um, but I had never heard of Osu. So, and the flashback of their conversation, Ashley, which I am an Ashley apologist. I like her. I think she's good for the show. Ashley, baby, you relayed that conversation so differently than how it happened. I know. But, even though NECA didn't say it like that, 
I do think that she thinks all those things because NECA was coming with, she had like a little bit of energy towards Wendy. I, I will agree. I will agree. And there's definitely something there and I can't wait for it. Or we've seen those rumors. Like we know that they're, that they don't get along quite the way that you would think they would as these two um, African sisters coming together. I don't know if I said this, but when I was doing the Potomac reunion and I was like greeting the ladies as they were coming on stage, NECA hugs me and goes, so nice to meet you, my Nigerian sister. And I thought, okay. <laughs> I'll be Nigerian today. I, mean, I was like, are you Nigerian? Not, I, I've never done a 23andMe test. Maybe I am. you're not Nigerian. Niger- no, like you're no, not- no, no, no. To my knowledge, I have no not that idea. I, thought, I never thought you were, but when you just said she said that, I was like, does she know something I don't know? Same. I was like, "Do I, am I like, maybe there's something with my facial features that reminded her of home? I don't know. I was like, okay, I'll be Nigerian on this panel for the next hour. That's fine. It was just so odd. But that's not normal. I swear to God, I was so caught off guard. I was like, huh, maybe she thinks I'm somebody else. I don't know. I don't know. That's true. You know, for one hour, I was her Nigerian sister. (laughs) Um, Well, it is very sweet of her to come up and hug you like that. So you would think she would have that same energy for Wendy, her actual Nigerian sister. It'll be interesting to see who she... I want to see who turns first. Well, it's going to be windy because of the way Ashley relayed this conversation to her. Well, in previews, it does look like she's saying Wendy's mom's a witch, which is not a good but foot that, to did start I, on. Didn't we hear that before? Maybe not on the show, but in the blogs, there was something about like the Eddie's family well, didn't showed- like. No, remember Eddie's family didn't like Wendy's family because there was some type of like. Oh yeah, they don't. That? They don't like when like their families don't speak. But it has to do and with Wendy. Something Wendy along doesn't that. speak to all of Eddie's family, but I don't know. It, it's when the, when that came out with like whatever Neca is tied to that. I was like, oh, we heard this with Eddie's family. Eddie's family said something mm. like this. Said the allegedly, same thing. allegedly, that was like in the blogs. Um, well, obviously this is a setup episode. It's going to you know, take us to the next one. I don't even remember what the previews were for the next episode. Do you? The previews were about her saying that her mom was a witch. Oh, okay. <laughs> well. That's why I'm like, I'm pretty sure NECA's going to go first. Well, <laughs> NECA's coming in hot and we are here for it. Um, that's pretty much it uh, on this episode. Again, I feel like we were catching up with each one of the ladies and seeing where they are in their lives. Uh, you can clearly see the division in the group. I mean, when Wendy walked into the room at Candace's house, she was like, I'm done with the shits. I'm not even going to pretend like I'm trying to be cool with Giselle or I'm cool with Mia. She did. Wait, she, Ashley's house. Ashley's house, yes. She's like, I'm not even trying to be pretend like I'm cool with them. And so the ladies are split. Candace didn't show up. Candace wasn't invited. It's not she didn't show up. She wasn't even invited. So it's going to be interesting. But still doing their job. Um, all right, you guys, that is... It for us on this episode. Um, we gave you a jam-packed episode, but next week, next Friday, this Morally Corrupt show will not be here because of the holidays. We do hope you guys have a beautiful Thanksgiving, but we're not going to leave you empty-handed because as I said at the top of this episode, we have split Morally Corrupt because there's so much Bravo content. So on Tuesday, we still will be dropping an episode with Chelsea and Zach, Southern Charm, Real Housewives of Miami. Um, you guys don't stop watching Bravo the rest of the week. If there's something on, watch it because we will pick up right where we left off. Not next Friday, 
but the Friday after that. So you guys, once again, have a happy holiday. Take care. Be safe. See you guys later.